<clears throat> Over the last uh, 12 months especially, but probably two years, a number of people have been uh, uh, discussing with me or mentioning things to me with regard to giving. And uh, a number of the questions have been asked about tithing. And uh, does the tithing of the Old Testament have any relationship to we who live under grace in the New Testament? What was the, was the tithing of the Old Testament? Was it money? And did people bring money along and offer it to God at, uh, at times of worship? And so there have been many questions and, uh, and so I thought it would be really good if we uh, and did this in discussion with the elders that we, we talk about uh, this very subject and look at the Old Testament this week and what was the, what was the tithing of the Old Testament and, uh, and get that clear in our mind and then next week we'll look at the New Testament and, and did that carry over? What, what the, there were words of Jesus about tithing. And how does that then fit in with the New, the New Testament church which then formed after his death? So this week we're going to look specifically at the Old Testament and, and what that has to say. Now many of the laws and, uh, that were instituted when God gave the law, many of those laws or most of those laws were, were displayed, displayed God's character and especially his righteousness in relation to sin and what needed to, be, to happen for people who are a sinful people just like you and me. Remember the people in the Old Testament weren't anything different to you and me. Even the Old Testament prophets, as Hebrews says of Elijah, who was a man who was tempted and was like, just like passions that you and I have, so we were a sinful people and when they had to come and, had a, and wanted to have a relationship with God, especially his chosen people, then there were things that they needed to do because of his righteousness, his holiness. For one of the things about tithing and we'll be touching on today is the fact that I think it displayed two parts of God's character very clearly. And one was that of generosity, the part of his character that is very generous and also Community. He is a God of community. He was generous to his people. I mean, look at his creation. We don't live in a world that's just good enough. We live in a world that has, that has been created in extravagance. Its beauty is unrivaled. The intricacies and the more that science delves into creation, the more they see that it is extravagant. He was generous in the way that he dealt with Adam and Eve after they sinned. He didn't just blot them out of existence but he had already had a plan for their future, for man's future. In the way that he dealt with Abraham in um, creating his, uh, his people and he said that I will make you a great nation. He was generous. Constantly, because when they walked away from him, his arms were always open that they come back in obedience. He was generous to them constantly. And after coming out of the land of Egypt and they looked in there and they saw that land, yes, there were difficulties there. But it was a land that had fruit that was amazing, 
A land, as they said, that was flowing with milk and honey and it was there ready for their taking if only they would trust him. A generous God. And then in the giving of his own son to us, how generous is that? That taking the sin that was ours, the guilt that was ours and laying it upon the shoulders of his son and Jesus himself took our punishment and paid our debt that we could not pay. Is that a generous God? But he's also a God of community. God has only ever known community. He is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And when he said about creating man, he said, let us make man in our image. And he created this character that is us. And he gave us attributes that were aligned to his. And he wanted us to develop our character in integrity just like himself. And as I said, when he chose his own nation, it was to be a community that was a theocracy. A theocracy, not a a democratic, democratic system like we have, but a community that lived under God and he was their king. And he supplied in generosity to them if only they would obey him. There were conditions that they obey him and they honoured him and he would supply in generosity to them. He was a God of community and that continues today. No different. So as we look at the Old Testament, we look at the tithing as being a command that was given in the law. But there were two instances of tithing that came before the law was given by Moses. And I want us to look at those first because they were simply acts. Um, um, Andrew, if we could just pop a button every now and then, that would be great. The first one uh, is in uh, Genesis chapter 14. You have the page numbers up there for the Pew Bibles if you're using them. Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 to 20. After Abram returned from defeating Kedalamor and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high and he blessed Abram saying, Blessed be Abram my God, by, sorry, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram had just been to war and he'd come back and he had all the spoils of the war. And he was met by Melchizedek, one of God's priests. And Melchizedek came out and blessed Abram. And as a response of um, respect to Melchizedek, Abram simply gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils of the war. They weren't a tenth, it wasn't a tenth of Abram's possessions. It was a tenth of the spoils of the war. 
If we go next to Genesis 28, 20 to 22, and that's page 28 in the Pew Bible. Genesis 28, 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Once again, this is before the law was given. This was just a random act of response to God. And Jacob had had this dream, you remember, this is in the preceding verses, Jacob had had this dream of the ladder that reached from, her, from her earth to heaven and up and down were going the angels. But God had called Jacob to go back. I am with you, I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God had said to Jacob, And so Jacob had responded in this way to a loving God and he dedicated 10% of all that he had to God. So that was before the law was actually given. They were just random responses, random in the fact of not just not thought about, random from the point of view of they were singular acts. Now, when we look at after the law was given or as part of the giving of the law, Leviticus 27, we'll have a number of areas we're going to read this morning because this is very much about what the, 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 the Bible says about tithing. So, Leviticus 27, 30 to 33. Verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth or 20% to its value. The entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. You must not pick out the good from the bad, or make substitution. If he does make substitution, both the animal and the substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands of the Lord. So we see here that this tithe wasn't money. It didn't say it was the uh, 10% of the wages. It says it was 10% of all that was grown on the land, the fruit of the land. That is the grain that had been harvested, the, uh, the vines, uh, the trees, the fruit the, um, and, and the animals. So it was very specifically not money but the fruit or the produce of the soil. So let's go across now to Numbers verse 18 and we'll start to see now, we'll build a picture of what these were for. So what was God going to do then? Was God going to take these things as they were given to him and take them to heaven and, and put them in a storehouse? There they were God's. So what was he going to do with them? And here we start to see. Numbers, chapter 18, verses 21 to 29. I give to the Levites 
all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. From now on, the Israelites must not go near the tent of meeting or they will bear the consequences of their sin and will die. It is the Levites who are to do the work at the tent of meeting and bear the responsibility for offences against it. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. They will receive no inheritance among the Israelites. Instead, I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. That is why I said concerning them, they will have no inheritance amongst the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Your offering will be reckoned to you as grain from the threshing floor and juice from the winepress. In this way you also will present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites. From these tithes you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. You must present to the whole as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. So we start to see what was the tithe going to be used for. So it would be brought into the house of meeting. God's the area where people came to worship God, the tabernacle. And they were to bring because it needed people to work there. Because the not only the tithes were going to be brought in, but there were going to be the offerings. And when you remember, this was not a small group of people. And there would have not have been an occasional offering being offered to the Lord. It would have been quite a continual matter. And so the tribe of Levi was not given an inheritance of the land to work in that way, but they were given a job at the tabernacle, at the house of meeting. And they were to do all the things that were asked of them as part of the worship of God. And there would have been a myriad of things. And so... How were they then, if that was the case, how were they going to live? How were they going to survive? Well, God in his generosity and in community made a portion for that. You you and I pay taxes and where do those taxes go? Those taxes go into, yes, the most common thing, you drove here on a road today and that was easy to get around. They go into the hospitals, they go into education but a big portion of them go into the government. And they go into paying um, um, government workers, what do you call them? Um, Public servants. servants. They go into public servants doing the will of the people. The Levites, I know there's a few smirks there, but (laughs) let's just stay focused here. (laughs) The Levites were going about doing the work of God for the people. They were administering the gifts of the people to God, whether they be the offerings or whatever it was in the service of God. That was their job. And so God had made provision for them through this tithe. And then for the priests, the Levites themselves had a responsibility to give. 
And 10% of the best portion was to go to the priests as they then administered all that was to be done on their part. The next one, Deuteronomy 14. Is that right? That's the next one, yes? I get a bit confused. Deuteronomy 14, 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God. Oh, this is different. At the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if there is a place, if the place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord has chosen to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household will eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice and do not neglect the Levites living in your towns for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Well, hang on. Didn't he just say that the tithe was for the Levites? But then here he's saying take 10% of all that you have that you've grown, your grain and, your, and the fruit of the vine, the, 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 uh, the wine that you've produced and the flocks and go and eat it in the place that God has designated. It's very interesting reading from all the various commentaries on this and the, the, um, uh, the differences of opinion. That there's their one tithe of 10% and God divided it up in different ways or were there a number of tithes? Because as we start to look, it could be 10% divided up in different ways or it could be 23 and a third percent plus the other offerings such as sin offering, grain offerings and so forth. So we start to look at this and, and this one here, I think, don't stone me, but I think it is fairly obvious that this one is a second tithe because the first one was to be brought into the storehouses and given specifically to the Levites and for them to give their tithe to the, peop- uh, to the priests. This one very specifically says that the people were to keep this and they were, they were to take it with them to the place where God designated or if they lived too far away to sell it and then when they got there to purchase from others to replace it and to sit down and do what together? Eat. Eat. Why? To celebrate God's goodness. What did we do here today? Celebrated God's goodness, didn't we? We remembered. And why do we have to be reminded? Because we're a very forgetful people. And the things of the world take our minds from him to ourselves. True? And this is what these were, these 
(coughs) these celebrations. They were to come together in community and in generosity to sit together and have a tremendous feast. And it was all about, and this wasn't just once a year, that there were a number of these. And this was always about celebrating God's goodness to them. This was always about them being in a theocracy. This was always about the community of God's people worshipping a God who was generous to them. This was always about displaying God amongst the people. And then it goes on in this too. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce. It's the next one, uh, Andrew. So we just go straight on to the next verse. At the end of every three years, bring the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, that is the travellers through the land, the fatherless, the widows, who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. And so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work you do. So here is another third every three years to come. And so you can understand why the people, uh, commentators as they read this and various uh, historians are saying, well, it could be 10, it could be 20 because that one every third year may be division or it may be 23 and a third percent. And the Bible always talks about tithes in plural, not tithe singular. But this isn't about the argument of that. It's about what are they for. And this this other section of every three years was very specific. It was to go into the storehouses that they had built. That there would always be grain or food there for those who were poor for those of those who were widows who'd been left without a supporter in the family, for those who were orphans where mum and dad may have passed away but they needed to be fed and cared for and looked after. And for travellers through the town, God even prepared for those people that no one should miss out. What a generous God. What a God of community. And he did this. So whether there was a 10 a 20 or a 23 and a third percent, it doesn't matter. This was about God and what he was doing in amongst the people. And when we look at Nehemiah, um, next one, Andrew, when we look at Nehemiah, we, we studied this and, uh, and we saw that they rebuilt the walls of the city because not only were the walls broken down but everything about the institution of being God's people was always also broken down. So their society was broken down. So when they rebuilt it physically, they also rebuilt the customs. And one of those customs <coughs> was that of the tithes. <coughs> so Nehemiah 12 Sorry, 44 and 45. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. 
From the fields around the towns they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites for Judah. Sorry, now get this. For the priests and the Levites for Judah, that is the people of the community, were pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification as did also the singers and the gatekeepers according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. So when they reinstituted these things, the customs of the town, they reinstituted the tithes and the offerings and they brought them in, they put them in the storehouses so they were there for the people to be able to live. So whilst it was a command, whilst it was a command of God, it also says that the people were pleased to do it. The people had a generous heart. The people could see why these tithes and offerings were there. And here they saw and they honoured those who worked in the temple and they honoured them by giving generously to them. And let's whip over one more to to, uh, Malachi. To Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Now we know that Israel didn't always follow God. Is that true? And they turned their face away from God to the world many, many times. And they broke God's commandment. But we see that when they did that and they turned their backs on God, they also turn their backs on the provisions for their own community. So Malachi 3, we read 8 to 12. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your field will not, be, will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. You know, one of the things about the children of Israel, God's people, was the fact that they were to be a shining light in amongst all the other nations. God said that I want to bless the world through you And I don't believe that that was only by the coming of Jesus and the gospel and the freedom from sin going out because of the work of Jesus on the cross. I believe it was also this, that when God dealt with his people and they responded in obedience, that the people in the world who lived around them would see that here is a nation that is incredibly blessed. How does that happen? And they would have said, what kind of God is this? that blesses this people in this way. 
What kind of God is this that they celebrate him in this incredible way? What sort of God is this that protects them even from the pests in the field? What sort of God is this that they live in such a community where the poor are fed, where the orphans are cared for and when you travel through the land they give you food? And when the people of the world would see that as God wanted them to, then they would in turn come and worship God. Is that true? Of course it is. They would see a God of community. They would see a God of generosity. They would see a God of salvation. They would see a God of love. But the people had turned their backs on God and they had stopped giving. And you could see when reading right through the, uh, the minor prophets especially how community had broken down, completely broken down and they were not caring for one another whatsoever and they certainly weren't worshipping God. When Jesus was asked in the New Testament before the new covenant was instituted by the priests and they said, what is the greatest commandment? What did he reply? Yeah, in the first part, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Can you see that commandment flowing through the tithes? Can you see that commandment, the greatest of all, that was right there at the forefront of the tithes and the offerings of God? To come and love me and celebrate my goodness. Follow me in obedience and I will bless you. But don't forget your neighbour because they're as important as you are and to love them and to give in the tithe the way I've given. Whether it be to the Levites and the priests because they're your neighbour, they're one of the tribes, they're one of your brothers and sisters and don't forget the widow and the orphan and the person who's coming through your town. You have a responsibility to care for these people. So you can see the outworking of God through the tithes and the offerings. What was the sin of Sodom? The sin of Sodom. In Ezekiel, it tells us there. It's interesting. Now, immediately you're thinking of sexual sin. Isn't that true? Yes. But if you look at Ezekiel, and I'll see if I've saved this here. I did. I'm getting to learn. It says here, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. And it goes on. You see, the sexual sin of Sodom was only part of the problem. It was the arrogance and the desire to just fulfil their own desires. And that's when the sexual sin was part of it and it got so great before God and he dealt with it. But we don't often think of the sin of Sodom as being that of being arrogant, of being, um, um, uh, what's her name? And also not caring for the widows and the orphans. God is a generous God. (coughs) And all people were created by him and for his pleasure. Yes, the Jewish nation 
was created as his people, his own people for him to deal with. But we all come under. We're all created in the image of God and we all come under his desires for us to be a people who look around and love one another. So as we have a look at the tithes and what they were for, we see what? We see first of all, I'm going to go back here, I'm going to need to go there and I need to go down there and we see that first of all, they were, it was a command of God, it was not voluntary. It was not voluntary, command of God. Next we see it was for the support of the Levites and the priests who had no land of their own. And then we see it was for the widows and the orphans and the travellers in the land, the poor. Next we see it was for the religious festivals to celebrate God's goodness to his people. And then we see it was from the fruit of the land and it was not money. So that's when we look at the tithes of the Old Testament, that's what we see. But what's the principle that we see? That God loves us and he loves every one of us equally and he desires us to live in community, caring for one another and loving one another in the same way that we love ourselves. When we're hungry, we go to the fridge and get something out, don't we? So what would we think of others who were going hungry? Should we not provide from that same fridge for them? And in our celebration of God, understanding that all we have and when we go to that fridge or whatever we do, to be able to take that and say, God is good. God is good. So let us not just remember God on a Sunday when we do this and specifically because of the death, burial and resurrection which is symbolised here. But in all the things that God has given to us, let us use those things, the simple things, to remember that God is good. God is good just want to bring one more thing to us and, um, and it's in Exodus, Exodus um, about chapter 35 and we'll find it in a sec. <clears throat> it is chapter 35. And verse 4, and let me just read down. Now, this was not a tithe, but some, you know, people often refer to this in, uh, in tithes or in givings and so forth. And so we want to just look at this. And this was to do with the tabernacle and the need for the materials. Remember this tabernacle, the, uh, the architect was God, the person who drew the plans was God, and he told the people, this is what I want you to build. And Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. Okay? This is what the Lord has commanded. Now just read this. From what you have, take an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering 
of gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, gold, a goat hair, ram skins dyed red, hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil of the light and spices and anointing oil for the fragrant incense, the onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. If we scoot over to verse 20 of that same chapter, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved, came, uh, moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting and all its service and for the sacred garments. And so those things were then taken and they were given to the craftsmen and they built this magnificent um, building, movable building, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And it would have been spectacular. Spectacular. The colours, the silver, the gold, the, the polished timbers would have been amazing. But there was a command of the Lord to call out to the people to make a free will offering. And there would have been people who were terribly generous because of their response to God. And there were others who maybe were more inward looking and they kept their gold and their silver and their possessions to themselves. So once again as we look at this, it is very hard to take the principle of tithing or take tithing in itself and bring it over into the New Testament. But the principles of tithing, I, have to, I think, have no trouble at all being moved into our society. Can we say that as a church that we should tithe because of those things? No, we can't. Probably only Rob Willett that could bring the occasional cow in. But, but how many, how many who, who grows stuff? You know, <laughs> you see, most of us don't, do we? And there's no, we don't have the Levitical priesthood anymore. But does that mean that God doesn't want us to have generous hearts? Does that mean that God doesn't want us to honour him with what we have? No, of course it doesn't. No, of course it doesn't. And when those people came to bring their stuff for that house of meeting to be built, this tabernacle. Do you know what it says a few verses later? That Aholiab and Bezalel had to go to Moses and they tell, said, tell the people to stop giving because we have more than enough for the tabernacle. How exciting is that? <laughs> we have more than enough and we, in fact we've got nowhere else to store it. They have filled the area with their gifts and we have more than enough to give to this work. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? That this free will offering command, yes, to tell the people that we need to do this, but only if your heart is willing. And so I think out of all of this that we hear today, what is your response to God? This God who is generous, this God of community, the God who cares about us as community and not only here but a wider field as well of community. What is your response to that?
the principle of giving, the principle of understanding his generosity and the world we live in. That's what we need to consider. Next week, I really hope you weren't too bored today and you'd like to come back and we're going to follow into the New Testament and see what, uh, what's happening in, first of all, what Jesus said but then after Jesus had, uh, had gone back to heaven and we started the New Testament church, what's the principles that we learned there about the early church and how it responded to the needs of the people? Let me pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that you reveal so much to us in it about yourself. That you're not only a holy and righteous God, we understand that, but you're a God also who cares about the poor, the needy, widows, orphans, those who can't defend themselves, can't provide for themselves. And you care about us and whether we have a generous heart because you know that when we have a generous heart we respond to your call. I pray that you would help us to take these verses this morning, Father, and chew over them for the rest of this week and to inquire of ourselves and to see whether we are the sort of person that we need to be. Are we a person that not only loves you but honours you in the things that we do? Are we a person who cares about those around us? Are we a person who cares about those who are less fortunate? Father, I pray that you would help us and enlighten us and grow us through the reading of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.